It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, the rock bottom edition of Locked On Panthers, unfortunately. Bill Rossetti back with you guys here to try to get you guys through what was just one of the most embarrassing losses that this team has endured in quite some time. Uh, I've been covering this team now. I've been doing this podcast three years, been covering the team for about four years. I can't recall a more ugly, a more embarrassing, whatever term you want to use, loss than what the Panthers went through on Sunday, losing 38-6. to to the Indianapolis Colts. Now, granted, of course, you had a rookie quarterback making his debut, but still, the the offense just could not move the ball. Special teams was atrocious. I mean, you give up not one, but two punt return touchdowns. And then, oh, by the way, you had an ejection on top of everything else. This team has officially hit rock bottom. It is the second year in a row that this team has suffered a seven-game losing streak, second season in a row that it was a you know a ugly blowout loss that kind of got the ball rolling. Obviously, this year it didn't start the losing streak because they were blown out by the 49ers, but then they went on to beat the Titans, and then after that they've lost seven straight. But the fact of the matter is it's kind of the whole shebang all over again this team just doesn't seem terry bradshaw put it perfectly the colts beat the we don't want to play anymore carolina panthers and i think he's absolutely right there was no fight in this team they just look like they have laid down well everybody but christian mccaffrey and greg olson they they seem to be like kind of the only ones that have not laid down because christian mccaffrey again with a with a fantastic game, excuse me, with 15 catches for 119 yards as he just continues to turn the Carolina Panthers history book into the Christian McCaffrey autobiography as his name is in the record books yet again. He becomes the first Panther ever to have 15 catches in a single game, and that's at any position, because the previous record was 14, set by the one and only Steve Smith. But now it's McCaffrey with 15, as it's his second straight 100-catch season, first running back to ever have a pair of those in the first three years of his career. So just more greatness for McCaffrey, and now he needs just 67 yards in Week 17 to reach 1,000 yards receiving. So definitely a lot lot better chance now, and it's like we said at the beginning of the season. I thought there was a good chance that it was going to happen, that he would have 1,000 and 1,000. 
And obviously the way they've been feeding him the ball, 67 yards is certainly not out of the question, especially now that DJ Moore is probably unlikely to play. He left the game, of course, Sunday with a concussion after just one catch. And at this point, why would you rush him back? Why would you even think about putting him on the field in week 17 in a 5-10, and 10, likely to be 5-11 and 11 season? No, no reason for DJ Moore. I would not be surprised if at some point this week the Panthers place DJ Moore on injured reserve with the season basically being over open up that spot for somebody else, and then just see what you have. But the positive is that the Panthers did improve their draft stock, as the Panthers are now actually sitting with the eighth pick in the draft. There's three teams now in in the pecking order that are sitting at 5-10, and ten, as the Jaguars and the Chargers are also 5-10, and ten, but the Panthers have a much stronger schedule than those two. But there, so there is still the possibility that the Panthers can actually move into sixth in the draft. But in all likelihood, that's probably as high as they're going to get because they still have a stronger schedule even than the Miami Dolphins, who are 4-11, and and then uh, much stronger than the Giants. There's no way they can catch the Giants, and they probably can't catch the Dolphins either. And I mean, the Dolphins are playing the Patriots in week 17 anyway, so I don't think they're going to lose. So I think the highest the Panthers can get to is number six in the draft. And that would mean the Jaguars and the Chargers both win. And of course, assuming the Panthers lose Jaguars have the Colts in week 17, the Chargers play the Chiefs. Uh, probably both going to lose. Well, the Jaguars might have a chance. They're home against the Colts. Colts obviously don't have much to play for except just getting back to 8-8. Eight and eight. Chargers are playing the Chiefs, and the Chiefs are still going for that bye. And it's at 1 o'clock along with the Patriots, so the, the Chiefs will be fighting hard. So realistically, 8 might be their max, maybe 7 I, but I don't think they're going to get up to six. I don't think both the Jaguars and Chargers are going to win. Like I said, maybe the Jaguars win, but in all likelihood, eight is probably going to be the magic number for the draft spot for the Panthers. Uh, and oh, by the way, the Panthers have officially clinched last place in the NFC South with the Falcons winning on Sunday. So the Panthers locked into last place and because the other last place spots are locked up as well, the 2020 opponents are now officially set for the Carolina Panthers. We knew of course that they were going to have their six division games as they always do. They have the NFC North next season. So they'll be home against the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions on the road against the Vikings and the Packers. And then they have the, speaking of the those AFC West teams, they are both on the Panthers' schedule next season. 
as they play the AFC West, home against the Broncos and the Raiders, and then on the road against the Chiefs and Chargers. The only two spots left to figure out were which NFC West team they would be home against and which NFC East team they would be on the road against. Those are now set in stone. It will be Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals coming to Carolina next season. So the second year in a row that the Panthers get to see Kyler. Of course, they were at Arizona back in week three. This time it'll be Kyler and company heading to Carolina. And then once again, they will be traveling to D.C., well, just outside D.C., Landover, Maryland, technically. But they will be on the road to take on the Redskins again next season. So, again, home opponents for 2020, the Bears, the Lions, Broncos, Raiders, Cardinals, Falcons, Saints, Buccaneers, road opponents, Vikings, Packers, Chiefs, Chargers, Redskins, Falcons, Saints, and Buccaneers. That is locked and loaded now for 2020. Before we kind of get back into talking about the debacle that was week 16, a uh, couple couple shout-outs, of course, to some of our great sponsors. Want to shout out our friends over at Breaking Tea. Listen, just a couple days left before Christmas. If you're still looking for that last-minute gift and you have a Big sports fan on your list, Breaking Tea is the place to go. Go to breakingtea.com slash locked on. Breaking Tea makes sports t-shirts all around team's most passionate moments. It's great for all fans. So just go to breakingtea.com slash locked on. And then feel free to search the site for great shirts and fun sports gifts. That's B-R-E-A-K-I-N-G-T dot com slash locked on. But again, just a debacle in Week 16. And it starts with the offense just not being able to move the ball at all. And it's not like, again, the more we talked about it, it's not like this was a all that great of a Colts defense that the team was going up against. And again, obviously it's Will Greer. It's his first start as a rookie. But even still, he just... Was not moving the ball well. He throws three interceptions, only 224 yards, so just an ugly first game for him. Just ugly to see the offense sputter and not do anything. Just two Joey Sly field goals is all they got. Again, you had Christian McCaffrey, the bright spot, but then nobody else had more than 33 yards receiving. No one else really ran the ball. I mean, Will Greer was the second leading rusher at 17 yards. So Christian McCaffrey, once again, the only highlight reel. Again, DJ Moore was out with that cushion, and I would not expect to see him in Week 17. Defensively, I mean, they just let Jacoby Brissett, you know, run run pretty well. He had that rushing touchdown on 37 yards. Brissett only threw for 119 yards, but shocker of shockers, the rushing defense fell apart yet again. They allowed three rushing touchdowns yesterday, so now they're, what, at about 30 rushing touchdowns allowed, which is just absolutely atrocious. 
Uh, Marlon Mack had 95 yards and a touchdown. Jordan Wilkins had 84 yards and a touchdown. And Jacoby Brissett, 37 yards and a touchdown. So they really didn't even have to throw the ball all that much. And Brissett only went 14 of 27 for a buck 19. Your leading receiver was T.Y. Hilton, and he only had 26 yards on three touchdown or three catches, excuse me. But when you're running the ball as effectively as the Colts did against a team as bad against the run as the Panthers are, you really don't need to throw the ball. The run game was just completely, totally effective. I mean, they they outgained Carolina on the ground, 218 to 87. Uh, I mean that that's that's the game plan right there. That, that's that's the game right there. The Panthers just could not stop the run just like they haven't all season long. And then on top of all that, you give up not one, but two punt return touchdowns to Naheem Hines. And it started even with the first punt, not, not even before he got to the touchdown. The first punt they kicked to Hines takes it all the way to Carolina territory, and the coverage unit just crumbles, and then the second punt... Uh, 84 yards the other way, Naheem Hines for a touchdown. And then in the fourth quarter, a 71-yard punt return touchdown from Hines. And then the scoring was capped off. That was er, er, midway through the fourth quarter. And then late in the, late in the game, Jordan Wilkins, one-yard touchdown to cap the scoring. <laughs> I think that's all you can really say at this point is bleh. Like I said at the top of the show, it's officially rock bottom for this team. A 32-point loss. You're at double-digit losses now. Uh, you know, Second straight losing season. Second straight year with a, a seven-game losing streak. Likely going to finish 5-11. It is going to be a long offseason in Charlotte. There, there's just no, no two ways around it. You have the quarterback situation that you have to figure out. You have a bunch of free agents that need to be signed, or at least decisions on do they need to be signed, two of which come in the secondary, James Bradbury and Ross Cockrell. Because I'll tell you what, Ross Cockrell has done a nice job of playing his way into really having to make the team consider re-signing him. In fact, you heard nothing out of Dante Jackson. He had a very quiet game. Uh, don't even think he really don't even think he really saw the field all that much. Uh, he didn't didn't record a uh, a tackle. Just very very quiet. Like I said, I don't even think I don't even think he really saw the field. Yesterday it was more Ross Cockrell, and even Javian Elliott was getting some time at the nickel position. So another another black mark on that 2018 draft class with uh, Rashawn Golden already cut and Dante Jackson taking a major step back from his rookie season. And then, oh, by the way, you had the ejection. You had Vernon Butler... Completely loses cool. Ripping, I, I couldn't tell if that was Quentin Nelson or which offensive lineman that was, but obviously Vernon Butler got really frustrated. And look, I get it. Emotions run high in a football game. You're on this long losing streak. You're getting frustrated, but by no means 
Does that mean you can grab a guy's helmet and basically rip him down to the ground the way he did? And then, oh, by the way, he threw a punch at the wrong player. So not only do you make yourself look stupid by getting yourself ejected, you embarrass yourself by throwing a punch at the guy that you didn't even throw down to the ground. That guy just happened to be at the wrong place, wrong time when Butler threw the punch. Obviously, it's not the guy Butler intended to because it wasn't the guy he threw down. But now Butler just made himself look stupid by throwing that punch at the other player. And then, oh, as if that wasn't bad enough, he flips the finger at the crowd, booing him as he's walking off the field. He should no doubt be benched for week 17. I would Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports, who used to cover the Panthers as a beat writer, brought up a really good point on Butler as, as far as keeping him versus cutting him. Because, you know, some people might argue that they should cut him today. Well, he's a pending free agent, and you let him walk. You're going to get a compensatory pick. It's obviously not going to be a high pick because he's not going to get that big of a contract, I don't think. You know, I, I would venture to guess the, the most you're going to get is a sixth, maybe a fifth for him. But still, it's an extra draft pick that you're going to get. Obviously, it wouldn't be this year. It wouldn't be until 2021. But still, it's an extra draft pick you might get from him signing elsewhere. You cut him now, you lose that draft pick. You have to at least let his contract expire so that he can be eligible for the compensatory pick. So the Panthers won't cut him, at least they shouldn't cut him, if they're thinking about that. But there's no way should they let him play in Week 17. I mean, you're basically... That would basically be his suspension. I think he'll be a healthy scratch in week 17. And who knows, maybe maybe this will finally let them put Christian Miller as an active player for game day, because it still boggles my mind that Christian Miller, your fourth round pick, a guy that played well for you, and I know I said this before, but I think it, it feels right ranting about it again a bit, played well for you in the first half of the season, and now all of a sudden he's a healthy scratch. What is going on there? Is there some kind of underlying issue? What is going on that Christian Miller is a healthy scratch these last couple weeks and he's not seeing the field? Did he did he piss somebody off? You know, what, what's going on? I, I would love to know what is going on that Christian Miller has not gotten any playing time these last couple weeks when this is the perfect time for the team to be evaluating him. I mean, you you threw out Will Greer... Your third-round pick, what's wrong with putting out Christian Miller, your fourth-round pick? You know, maybe maybe now you'll finally have that spot, assuming you make Vernon Butler an inactive in Week 17. So hope, hopefully we get to see him, because again, at this point, you're looking ahead to 2020, because really, what, what other incentive, you know, are you, how, much, how much spoiler can you really play the, the, only, the only spoiler they could really play on the Saints at this point is preventing them from getting a first-round bye. But the worst the Saints can do is the number three seed. So other than that, and other than just maybe the satisfaction of winning at home in your final game, you don't have much to play for. Now, I'm not saying they should go out and tank, obviously. You know, they're, they're going to go out there and play. 
I'm just saying, use this time now to really evaluate your roster for 2020. Guys like Christian Miller or some or some of these other young guys. Start building, start getting thoughts in your mind. Well, at least for Marty Herney, because the, obviously this coaching staff really won't be here. But in fairness to the players, it should at least give them a chance to get some film out there, some regular season film, not just preseason, regular season film for the new coaching staff. You know, whether that's Kevin Stefanski or Matt Rule or Mike McCarthy, whoever it may be. Give these guys some kind of film to go off of so that they could use the offseason and free agency and the draft to start making their decisions for 2020 and getting this team back to a competitive level. Because, I mean, it, it, it just feels like we've forgotten how to win. You know, it sucks that we're going now through a second year in a row with this long of a losing streak. Like, it, it gets to the point that you almost f forget what it feels like to win. Or like someone like me, talk about a win for what was a, a proud franchise. And still still is a proud franchise. But this is just an absolute rock-bottom situation. But now's the time to start building this franchise back up and getting them competitive for 2020. So use this opportunity to get guys like Christian Miller out there, get him reps, get him some experience, get him ready for 2020 so that he could have a a better shot. You know, especially with Bruce Irvin being a free agent, Mario Addison being a free agent. Christian Miller could eventually step into that role as kind of a you know a situational pass rusher and you know, just giving him more reps. But that that should hopefully start on Sunday with with ro what should be roster evaluation. So that's kind of, again, the rant on this team and the ugliness. Uh, for the hell of it, we'll wrap around the, the rest of the <laughs> NFC South. Uh, the Falcons took care of business against the Jaguars 24-12. to so they move to six and nine, and again, like I said earlier, the Panthers' loss, coupled with that win by the Falcons, officially locked the Panthers into last place in the NFC South. And crazy to think, for a team that started one and seven, the Falcons can actually finish in second place in the NFC South if they beat the Buccaneers on Sunday. They would both be seven and nine. Falcons would have the tiebreaker on division record. So it's still possible that the Falcons go from one and seven to second place in the division at seven and nine. So winning six of their final eight. So it'd be a strong second half. And the question then would be, will that be enough to save Dan Quinn's job? It doesn't feel like he's, he's still a bit on the hot seat, but it kind of feels like that seat cooled down a little bit with the run that the Falcons have been on. I mean, this is now five wins in their last seven games, so a nice, strong push. And again, they can make it six out of eight, and they can get to second place in the division if they beat the Buccaneers, who, of course, lost on Saturday against the Houston Texans 23-20 to as Jameis Winston did Jameis Winston things again, and by that I mean throw four interceptions. 
especially on the last drive, or at least after the two-minute warning, through a killer interception. So Jameis Winston now is at 31 touchdown passes, 28 interceptions. This is how crazy Jameis Winston's season is going to be. Assuming he plays, which he probably will on Sunday, he's going to have 5,000 passing yards because he only needs 92 yards passing to hit 5,000. But if he throws two interceptions, that would be 30 interceptions. So he's going to, he could potentially have 5,000 passing yards, 30 plus touchdowns and 30 interceptions. And funnily enough, it's been about 30 years since a quarterback has thrown 30 interceptions. I think it said 1988. Vinny Testaverde was the last quarterback to throw at least 30 touchdowns or 30 interceptions, excuse me, in a season. If Winston throws two interceptions, and I mean, let's face it, that's starting to become kind of a safe bet. If he throws two interceptions, he will hit that mark of 30 interceptions. So it's amazing that Jameis Winston might very well lead the league in passing yards, touchdowns, and, well, actually, no, he's not going to lead in uh, interception, or he's not going to lead in touchdowns because I remember seeing Lamar Jackson now has 36 touchdown passes, which I think is uh, is the NFL lead right now. So he's not going to lead in... He's not going to lead in passing touchdowns, but he is going to lead in passing yards and passing touchdowns. I'm just looking it up real quick. He, I mean, he leads by... Actually, I don't know if this was up to... Oh, no, it is up to... So he's about 300 and some yards ahead of Dak Prescott, who had, of course, an ugly game against the Eagles. And interception-wise, he has 10 more interceptions. Think about that for a second. Jameis Winston has 10 more interceptions than any other quarterback in the league right now. There's two quarterbacks that are tied for second with 18 interceptions. That's Phillip Rivers and Baker Mayfield. And Jameis Winston has 28 interceptions. That is ridiculous. But he is second in passing touchdowns with 31, but he's five behind Lamar Jackson, who is 36. So he's probably not going to hit that unless Lamar sits and Winston somehow throws six touchdown passes against the Falcons. But that's about as Jameis Winston as you're going to get. 4,900 passing yards, which leads the league. 31 touchdown passes, which is second in the league. And 28 interceptions, which is 10 more than anybody else in the league. And the report came out Saturday that the Buccaneers were planning on keeping Winston for 2020. So good timing there. Uh, the la- and then the last game, of course, in the NFC South was the Saints. And what turned out to be a pretty good game against the Tennessee Titans. Saints win 38-28 to move to 12-3. and And for the moment are sitting as the number two seed 
in the NFC playoffs. That, of course, is because the Packers are sitting at 11-3 playing tonight against the Vikings. If the Packers win, the Packers will move back ahead of the Saints for the number two seed. The Titans, of course, and we'll touch on this for fun, the rest of the playoff picture, but the Titans now sitting as the number six seed in the in the uh, AFC playoffs. But the Saints currently at number two, and they'll have something to play for because even if the Packers win, the Saints will have a shot now at the number... They even still have a shot at the number one seed, let alone the two seed and a bye. So yeah, don't expect it. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago with the way the playoffs were shaping up. It didn't look like the Saints were... Uh, we're going to be resting their starters in week 17, making it more likely that the Panthers were going to lose this game. And again, the fact now that they can be the number one seed, they're going to be playing hard. And so, yeah, I, I can already, I'll already make my prediction right now. The Panthers will probably get blasted in this game. This will probably end up something like 31 to 10. There's something along those lines. I don't expect this game to be close. The Saints will probably put this game away early, to be quite honest, and then they'll be scoreboard watching to see. Well, of course, they they really can't because the, the other games that are affecting them are later. Because this game, because remember, they change up the Week 17 schedule based on playoff possibilities and whatnot. This game will be a 1 o'clock game uh, with the other a bunch of the other games in the later wave. Green Bay does play at 1 o'clock, so they will be scoreboard watching a bit. But it is possible that if uh, if the Seahawks beat the Niners, the Saints can climb into a first-round bye. So they'll probably be fighting hard all game. So, so I'll just run through real quick the, the schedule, because, again, it did get updated thanks to the, the playoff possibilities. So the 1 o'clock games on Sunday. Again, the, the Panthers and Saints will play at 1 o'clock on Fox. The other 1 o'clock games are the Jets against the Bills. And again, that's meaningless for both teams. Bills are locked into the 5 seed. Browns against the Bengals. Bengals have already locked up the number 1 draft pick. So hello, Joe Burrow. Packers against the Lions. Again, the Packers, if they win out, they... Well, they clinch the NFC North if they win tonight. If they win out, they would get a bye. And the Lions have just complete, just completely crumbled. Chargers against the Chiefs. Chiefs still have a shot at a bye, but they would need a win. And a Patriots loss will also play at 1 o'clock against the Dolphins. Bears against the Vikings and the Falcons against the Buccaneers. Those are the 1 o'clock games. And at 425, you have Pittsburgh at Baltimore. Washington at Dallas, Tennessee at Houston, Indy at Jacksonville, Philly at the Giants, Oakland at Denver, and Arizona at the Rams. So the 4 o'clock window is all about that 6th seed in the AFC and the NFC East battle. And again, Indy-Jacksonville at 425. I like that they did that. That's intriguing. There's no playoff implications specifically for those teams, but... The Colts are involved in the Raiders playoff scenario. And first off, it's been crazy. And I've been tweeting about that 
almost all night yesterday, just how crazy it is that Oakland actually has a playoff scenario in Week 17, and it requires the Colts winning because they need the Titans to lose, they need the Steelers to lose, they need the Colts to win because they need the Colts to catch the Titans at 8-8 eight and eight because then the Colts beat the Titans in the divisional tiebreak, and Oakland would win a three-way tiebreak with Pittsburgh and Indy, but they cannot with Pittsburgh and Tennessee because Tennessee has strength of victory over Oakland. But they still have to clinch strength of victory over Pittsburgh, and they would they would do that if New England beats Miami. They also can do it if Chicago beats Minnesota, if Detroit beats Green Bay, or if the Chargers beat the Chiefs. But in all likelihood, they'll get it with the Patriots beating the Dolphins. So, all that happens, the Oakland Raiders would be the number six seed in the AFC playoffs. So that's why I found it intriguing that they put Indy Jacksonville at 425 so that they would be fighting hard and then it would you know keep the Raiders involved and it would put pressure on the Titans and the Steelers. So that's going to be an interesting 4 o'clock window. And then, of course, the Sunday night game, no surprise, San Francisco at Seattle for the NFC West title. But now no longer guaranteed for the number one seed, especially for the Seahawks, after they were upset by the Arizona Cardinals at home. I mean, that's who would have thought the Cardinals would go into Seattle in December and beat the Seahawks and basically kill the Seahawks' hopes at the number one seed. So now, the Seahawks can still get it, but they now need a win over the Niners, and they need losses by both the Saints and the Packers to get that number one seed. So let's touch on the NFC playoff picture real quick. If you guys are following that, this, the Niners are now back on top of the NFC at 12-3, and three, thanks to the Seahawks' loss. And then you have the Saints at 12-3. And, and again, even if the Packers win the 12-3, and three, the Niners, of course, win that three-way tie because they beat the Saints and they beat the Packers. So it's simple for the 49ers. They beat the Seahawks. They are the number one seed, plain and simple. And the Packers, if they win tonight, they would move back into a tie with the Saints at 12-3. and three. They would have the edge with a 9-2 and two conference record with the Saints at 8-3. and three. And then the Eagles took control of the NFC East with their win over the Cowboys. So they're now 8-7. and seven. All the Eagles have to do is beat the Giants on Sunday. And they are the NFC East champions. Wild cards right now, of course, are the Seahawks at 11-4 and four and the Vikings at 10-4. and four. Again, the Seahawks, they can still win the division if they beat the Niners because they would both be 12-4. and four. Seahawks, of course, would have head-to-head -head because they will then have swept the 49ers in that scenario. But now they would need some help to get not even just the number one seed, but that, that even hurt their shots, I think, at a bye. Chances are, in all likelihood, if the Seahawks win the West, they might end up as the number three seed. Again, unless they get a little bit of help, most likely that help would be in the form of Minnesota winning tonight over the Packers. That would be 
the more likely scenario that would help the pa- or help the Seahawks get a bye. But that's the NFC playoff picture again. The only other team that's alive is Dallas at seven and eight, and that's because they need a win and an Eagles loss. That would still clinch the division for the Cowboys because then they'd be tied at seven and eight. The Cowboys would win the division, I believe, on division record. Because they would, of course, both be eight and eight, but the Cowboys would be five and one in the division. The Eagles would be four and two. So that's how the Cowboys would win it. So that that's the only way the Cowboys get in. Otherwise, the Eagles will be hosting a playoff game. And again, in all likelihood, they should beat the Giants, but you know, anything can happen. You know, the, the Giants did have a offensive breakout against the Redskins, so we'll see what happens. And then the AFC, Ravens locked up the number one seed at 13-2 at their win over the Browns. Patriots holding the two seed 12-3, a game ahead of the Chiefs who are 11-4. But the Chiefs, of course, can still catch the Patriots for the number two seed. But they would need a win over the Chargers, and they would need the Patriots to lose to the Dolphins. And then you have the Texans sitting as the four seed at 10 and 5. They can still climb up to the three seed if they win and the Chiefs lose. But with the with the Texans playing at 425, the Texans will already know if they can move up to the three seed. So it'll be interesting if the Chiefs win. It'll be interesting if the Texans decide to rest their starters, knowing that they could potentially help the Titans get in. Bills at 10 and 5 are locked into the 5 seed and in all likelihood will head to Houston for wildcard weekend. And then again, the craziness that is the AFC 6 seed scenario, it will be one of three teams the Titans, the Steelers, or the Raiders. The Titans are in a win and in situation. They beat the Texans, they are in. I. Uh, don't believe they can get in. Let me double check. I don't think they can get in if they lose, or at least it would be very, very difficult. Well, they could. I'm sorry. They could get in if they lose, but that would require both Pittsburgh and Indianapolis losing. If that happens, then the Titans still get in. Again, the easiest way for the Titans, win and they're in. Steelers need a win. And a Titans loss, or if they lose, then it's still possible, but it's very difficult. They would need the Titans to lose, the Colts to win, and the Raiders to lose. Or they would need the Titans to lose, the Colts to win, the Dolphins to win, Chargers lose, Lions lose, Bears lose. Because again, those last four... If one of those, one of the opposites of those happen, Dolphins lose, Chargers win, Lions win, Bears win. If one of those happens, the the Raiders would clinch strength of victory over the Steelers, which is what they would need, along with their win, the Titans loss, Steelers loss, and Colts win to get into the playoffs. And then again, we just touched on what the Raiders need, so it's. Quite interesting, a lot of drama in that 4 o'clock window for the final spot in the AFC playoffs. But that's that's the playoff picture. And then, by the way, for, for funsies, the Panthers are sitting 13th 
in the NFC playoff picture at five and ten because the Cardinals now are just the just ahead of the Panthers because of that tie. The Cardinals win put them at five nine and one, and again it also helped the Panthers draft wise because now the Panthers are eighth in the draft order with the Cardinals sitting in ninth. And again, I think the Panthers will lose on Sunday, which would lock up a top eight draft pick. And I think they can get as high as six, because I don't think they can crack the top 10. I'd have to look into that a little more to see if they somehow can catch the, uh, somehow can catch the Dolphins for for the strength of schedule and uh, and get into the top five. But that would be the absolute highest that the Panthers can get. So a loss means they can go anywhere from maybe five, more likely six, to no lower than eight. A win puts them, would probably put them no lower than... Uh, no lower than 12 because you've got three teams at six and nine, the Jets, the Browns and the Falcons. And if some, if say the Panthers win and then all three of those teams win, or I'm sorry, if all, all three of those teams lose and then say the Cardinals lose as well, which would help uh, the Panthers have a stronger schedule than the Jets, the Browns and they're tied with the Falcons, but I think the Panthers would be ahead of the Falcons because of the divisional record. So probably, uh, probably eleven would be the lowest they would be if they win. But if they lose, they'd be no lower than eighth. With that, I think I'm gonna get. I think I rambled on quite a bit. It's been a little over forty minutes, funnily enough, but. Um, Thanks so much for listening, guys. Really do appreciate it. And remember, follow me on Twitter at Bill underscore Setti, R-I-C-C-E-T-T-E. Follow the podcast on Spotify, uh, Google, Apple, wherever you listen to. And until next time, take it easy. We'll have the crossover up for you tomorrow because of the holiday week. I'll actually take Wednesday and Thursday off. I'll let you guys enjoy uh, the, the holiday season. Let you enjoy Christmas on Wednesday and then the day after to kind of recover and enjoy all your gifts. And we'll try to be back Friday to kind of wrap up the week and get ready for Sunday. And then that'll, that'll pretty much do it for the regular season. So in case I don't say it on the crossover, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Holidays, however you celebrate it. Make it a good one. And we'll see you next time right here on LOP. Until then, take care, my friends. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.